Amen. Well, we ought to praise Him and bless Him uh, for what He's done, but not just that, for who He is. And if you, you praise Him for who He is, it won't matter whether things seem to be going good or bad in your life. Amen. He's, he's a wonderful God. And even, even when it seems like things in life are just falling apart around you, I'm glad everything's okay with him and he's got it all under control. I'm thankful for that this evening. And it's good to be back in church with you tonight. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of 2 Corinthians tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I talk a little bit slower than Brother Torres does. <laughs> but I appreciated the presentation tonight and last night. And uh, the McPikes, appreciate the singing tonight. Good singing, good songs. I'd never heard either of those songs, but those were a blessing. Appreciate that. Who's here from Pigeon Forge? You're on vacation. You were there on vacation. But you live here. Well, I always wondered where people in Myrtle Beach go to vacation, and but then where do people Pigeon Forge go to vacation? Y'all just swap places, I guess. So you get you get tired of the ocean, you go to the go to the mountains. Get tired of the mountains, go to the ocean. I guess. But, amen, amen. We'll praise the Lord. Second Corinthians, and chapter number eight. Let's begin reading tonight in verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. You know one area in life where it's actually okay to be liberal? Is when you're given. Now we're against every other kind of liberalism. Amen. I hope you are. If not, we'll give an invitation a little while and you can come down this altar and get right with the Lord. Amen. But one area where it is okay to be as liberal as you can, that is in your giving to the Lord and His work. Look down at verse number 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I want to preach tonight on probably a familiar subject to most of us, but just on the subject of grace giving. Grace giving, I'd say probably most of us tonight are familiar with, the, with what we'll talk about this evening. But even the church at Corinth, they were familiar with this. Paul had already talked to them about the subject of giving, but yet he comes to remind them of how important it is and the need of it. And it's still a need today. And by the way, we need to hear some of the same truths again and again and again because it's easy to forget just how needful it is and how important it is. So, I mean, if you're going to have a missions conference, part of what you're going to talk about is giving. Last night we talked about the going part of the work of missions. Tonight we want to talk about the giving part. And really, I think Paul lays it out the best right here in chapters 8 and 9 of the book of 2 Corinthians. So we'll look tonight at the subject of grace giving. Now, I believe the Bible is very clear about tithing. 
uh, given that 10%. Now, Brother Gordon, I do have preacher friends, and I love them dearly, but their position on tithing is, well, that was under the law, and we're not under the law, we're under grace, so, so that's not for us. Now, as I preached last night, I'm not breaking fellowship with those guys, because they're still giving, they just don't say you got to do the tithe. Here's my only problem with that. Abraham tithed before the law. Before the law was ever given. And there's another thing, and this is just personal for me, I've been tithing my whole adult, adult life now, 23, 24 years, however long that is, and I've just seen God bless it over and over and over. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing that. Amen. I believe in it. I believe the Bible promotes that and God blesses it. But grace giving is going above and beyond that 10%. And by the way, when you talk about tithing, it's amazing how many people would go, well, I just can't believe God would want 10% of what I worked so hard to get. You're looking at it the wrong way. What a blessing that God would allow you the physical ability and the mental capability to work a job so you can go to work and earn that money and all He asks is that you give 10% and you get to keep the other 90%. All right, but we're not preaching on tithing tonight. We're talking about going above and beyond Amen. the tithe. And so right there in verse number 1, let's just go back and begin right there where he said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. And by the way, that phrase right there, we do you to wit, it just means we want you to know. We, we want to inform you of this. And he says, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now the grace that Paul writes about in verse number 1 is grace that is given to believers. When you come to the Word of God, you've got to understand that word grace is a very broad word. It's, it's used in many different aspects. There's saving grace. There's sustaining grace. There's grace for when you sin as a believer. There, there's grace for when you're suffering. But here it's grace to give. And by the way, grace ought to be our motivation for our service for the Lord and our giving in the work of God. It shouldn't be guilt. It shouldn't be gimmicks. Amen. It ought to be just because God has shown us grace and now He wants to give us the grace that we can give so that the gospel can go even further and do even more. You go to some churches and they, they just guilt trip everybody. Look, I'm not here to guilt trip anybody this weekend. Some of you are like, are you, are you sure, Brother Waters? <laughs> I, I promise you, I'm not here to... I don't, I don't want you to give out of guilt. I want you to give because you see the need and God touches your heart. We're not here to... Put, there's a difference between guilting somebody into something. There's a difference between commanding somebody and compelling somebody. Matter of fact, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in, in, in a minute. But amen, make sure you're giving. Make sure the motivation for that is the grace of God that you've experienced in your life and the grace that He gives you uh, to give. We'll, we'll give you several thoughts here tonight. We'll go enjoy some more bluebell. Hallelujah. Don't be throwing the bluebell away. That's not being a good steward. Amen. <laughs> Number one tonight, we see that grace giving is sacrificial giving. Yes. Look at it, verse number 2. 
How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. What you're reading about right there is people that sacrifice greatly. And that's what grace giving is. It's, it's God giving you grace, amen, so that you can go above and beyond to give, amen, because we've experienced the grace of God in our own lives. He, he writes of their pain there in verse number 2. He said, how that in a great trial of affliction. I mean, this sounds pretty bad, y'all. I mean, he calls it a great trial of affliction. That is great pain. And yet out of their pain, they end up giving. You want to know who some of the greatest givers in the work of God are? It's those that have suffered greatly. It's those that have gone through some painful things, whether it was a physical problem or an emotional problem, whatever it may be. It might be an affliction like Paul writes about here. It might be a child that's gone off to the world and it breaks your heart. Whatever it may be, though, through that thing, you see the grace of God in your life and then you realize, man, you know what? I want to give it all for the glory of God. I just want to give it to Him out of my pain, out of my affliction. Amen. You know what you find out in a great trial of affliction? Money ain't the answer to everything. It seems like when you're young and just getting started in your life too often, it's all about the American dream. Man, let's, uh, we got to get that house and we got to get that car. And there's nothing wrong with stuff. I'm not against that. I hope you don't take this that way. But a lot of times, that's the goal. Just trying to get everything stable and going. And a lot of times it's all about that money. You know, the older you get and the further you go in this life, you'll finally find out there's some things that money don't buy. There's things that money can't fix. Amen. And money starts to mean less to you. Now, we, we all wouldn't mind to have a little bit more tonight, even with all that said. But some of you, you've been in this thing long enough, you found out there's just some things money, it can't make it better. And that's the crowd that says, I'll give more. I'll give more. I mean, it's all about what's waiting on the other side anyway. Amen. That their great trial of affliction. Then he writes about their poverty. He said their deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality. This was not a wealthy, rich crowd. They, they, they were a crowd that, that had very little, but they were willing to just give it all for the, for the glory of God. The Macedonians, they gave what was uncomfortable. You talk about giving until it hurt. I think they were already hurting before they started giving, it sounds like. But they gave anyway. You want to see a good example of that? Hold your place in 2 Corinthians and go to the book of Luke chapter number 21. You'll see a great example of what we just, just saw right there. Luke chapter 21 and verse number 1. Luke 21, beginning in verse 1, And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. You know what the Lord said right there? She gave more. 
Now to the disciples standing around listening to this, they're probably like, no, those rich men, they put in a whole lot more. And, and the Lord says, yeah, she gave it all though. It might not have amounted to as much, but you know what? She gave it all. Amen. And there's a difference, amen, than rather just giving out of your abundance and saying, well, I can afford to do this. Yeah. This won't set me back much. But walking by and saying, you know what? It's all I've got, but I'll give it. Yes. That's what the Macedonians did. They, they gave what was uncomfortable. It talks about their poverty. And let, and, let me, and let me say again, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a nice house. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having money in the bank. I'm not one of those preachers that says, hey, we're, we're, look, we're not Catholics. We're not Catholic priests tonight. We haven't taken a vow of poverty or anything like that. I'm glad, Brother Gordon, the Lord will bless people. Amen. He'll give you nice things from time to time if you honor Him. Amen. I believe that. So, I mean, we're not preaching that tonight. Nobody's up here saying that, you know, we ought to all be paupers and live in poverty. I feel sorry for the missionaries sometimes because... You know, they're expected to live in poverty, it seems like. And if they show up, you know, on debutation at a church in a nice car, the preacher's looking out the window going, yeah, we ain't taking them on for support. That's sad. That's, I said that's sad. Amen. God forbid if the missionaries this week go out to the, to the beach and take some pictures, you know, with, with their family out on the beach, you know, somebody will say, we ain't supporting them to go to the beach. Man, I say make the most of your debutation. Man, if you're out west, go to the Grand Canyon. You're up northeast, go see Niagara Falls. Do, do everything you can, amen, because you're trying to do something for God. I think it's okay to enjoy yourself a little bit along the way, amen. Yes, that's good, amen. I appreciate Brother Gordon. It seems like his spirit and the, and the heart of this church, it's not to bring these missionaries in and make them put on a sideshow and jump through hoops and, amen, work them to death. Amen. I feel like you're trying to be a blessing to them. Taking the men out fishing and things like that and the gifts that you give along the way. That's the way it ought to be. Amen. But I'm sure, and they wouldn't, they'd never tell you, but I'm sure they could tell you it ain't like that everywhere. You go some places and they just want to see how hard they can work you while you're there. Shouldn't be that way. So thank you for the spirit of your missions conference here. Just trying to be a blessing and a little haven of rest while, while we're here. Amen. But you know what? The Macedonians, they gave what was uncomfortable. Nothing wrong with having stuff. But I think what God wants to know, do you have stuff or does that stuff have a hold of you? If he says, I want your stuff, are you willing to say, Lord, whatever you want? We see their pleasure. Here in verse number 2. I mean, right in, right in the middle of the, these words, the great trial of affliction and their deep poverty, you read the words, the abundance of their joy. You know where these people found joy in? In giving to the work of the Lord. That's where they found true joy. And the greatest joy you'll ever experience is when you realize it, it ain't about having the fanciest house in Myrtle Beach. It ain't about having the newest car. Amen. Yeah, they don't even make CDs in them anymore. I'm still old school. I have CDs. Amen. It ain't all about that. Amen. Real joy is found in saying, you know what? I want to give to the work of the Lord. I want to be a blessing to a missionary. I want to be a blessing amen, to somebody trying to get the job done in the work of God. And you give that and you see 
God bless it and you see them go to, around the world or even right here at home wherever it may be and they do something for God and people get saved and churches are planted and lives are changed I tell you what that's where real joy is found again it seems like when you're young and just starting out you think joy is in all the stuff you find out that stuff, man, it falls apart real quick. Right. It rusts real quick. <laughs> what we're talking about here tonight, this is lasting. You want to have true joy? Get over all that other stuff and realize it's all about doing something for God. We see their pleasure, we see their power in verse number 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. You see, the Macedonians not only gave what they were able to give, they were willing to give beyond their ability. That's faith right there. When you say, Lord, I, I don't even know if I'm really going to have this to give, but you know what? If this is what you want, if this is what you put on my heart, I'm just going to trust that you're going to make it possible for me to give this. And I know all, churches do uh, missions and faith promise missions. They, they all do it a little bit differently, I guess. But you know what? When you set out to determine what am I going to do for this next year, for the next 52 weeks of the year, what, what, Lord, what would you have me to do? Sometimes he may put a figure on your heart that you're thinking, now that just don't make sense on paper. Well, that's because a lot of what God does doesn't make sense on paper. That's why it's by faith. Amen. Amen. And this isn't something you sit down and you budget out. And I'm all for a budget, but this is one area in the life where you, you don't budget it. You don't look at You just say, God, what would you have me to do in this area of grace giving? And then you trust that He'll enable you to do it. And you go after and you do your part to make it happen. Amen. I tell you what, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I, I'd give to missions, I just can't. I don't have it. Really? Let me follow you around for about a week and we'll decide whether, whether you have it. <laughs> I tell you what, years ago, Brother Danny Farley pastors the Shady Acres Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, and they've been doing, oh man, great things for missions for over 50 years. And Brother Farley, man, he, he said this. He said, if you want to give to missions, you can. Yes. Yeah. And it might not even be a great amount, but you can do something yeah. if, you, right. if you'll just find a way. Yes. Amen. That's right. I, I go in a lot of churches and sometimes I'll just, you know, we got all this sound equipment and we'll ask where to set our stuff. This week it's just there, but sometimes it'll be a closet somewhere. And I'm amazed at the things I see in church closets and junk rooms. And I'm thinking... That, that, that would sell for a lot of money right there. That, I mean, old, old sound equipment and stuff. I'm thinking, you can get some money out of that if you try to sell it. That's some good missions money lying around if you just get creative and pay attention. Right. We, we spend too much time telling God what we can't do. That's right. Yeah. But they were willing to give beyond their ability. Look at verse number 12. For if there be first a willing mind. That's the key right there. You know what God's looking for first? A willing mind. What God wants from His children is a willingness. 
You know, there's a place in every life of a child of God where God's will, it runs one way and your will runs the other way. And you know what? The cross is that place where your will crosses God's will and you have to die to your own wants and your own will and just say, God, I just want to do your will. Giving sacrificially means giving up something we want in order to do something that God wants. You say, preacher, that just seems a little bit unreasonable. Well, when's the last time you stopped and considered how God gave to us? I mean, right there in verse number 9 of our chapter, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. You realize, brother and sister, tonight if you're saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb, amen, you're richer than Donald Trump or Bill Gates or Elon Musk or any of that crowd, amen. Hey, I may not have riches in this life, but the rewards and riches that are waiting over you that's where it really counts that's what really matters in the long run amen and he left all that and came here so that we could have that in eternity if you live your life with that attitude it won't be hard to say I'll dig a little deeper I'll go a little further grace giving is sacrificial if if your giving doesn't cost you anything if it doesn't cost you a sacrifice it's not really worth much But then secondly tonight, grace giving is selfless. We we live in a self-centered society. We already talked about selfies on Wednesday night. We won't go there again. (laughs) Amen. We live in a society that is full of self. All about me. What I want. What makes me feel good. You need to get your feelings out of the way. Amen. We ain't charismatics tonight. We're Bible-believing Baptists. Amen. And I'm not scared of feelings. I'm, I'm glad every now and then the Lord will get to stirring and a good song or a message, it'll stir you up. I, I'm not against feelings, but we don't go on feelings. We don't operate on feelings, but our society is very feeling-driven. You don't have to get self out of the way if you want to take part in this grace-giving. Notice, notice the plea of the Macedonians in verse number 4. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They're they're not begging to receive money. Nor am I saying that the missionaries that come through on deputation, they're not begging to receive money, but they're putting a plea out there to let you know, hey, here's what we need. Here's what it's going to take for us to go where God has called us to go and do this this work. And we, we would like for you to be a part of that. But here, they're, they're not asking for money. They're begging for people to take the money. They're begging to be a blessing. That's selfless right there. They're begging to be a blessing. We see their priority in verse number 5. It said, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. It said, First gave their own selves to the Lord. You know, before we give our substance to God, we need to give ourselves to God. You know, if you're not careful giving things instead of ourselves, that can easily become your religion. I know this is missions conference. It's all about giving to the work of God and the work of missions. But be careful that you don't let your giving become your religion. 
That's what we see in the parable there in Luke 18 of the, the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee's praying, but his prayer is, I do this and I do that and I give tithes of all that I possess and I fast twice in the week. I, I'm doing all these things. Ain't that wonderful? Did everybody hearing what I'm saying? Did everybody hear what I, I, I do all week long? Did y'all hear? You know what? That was his religion. And that Pharisee was lost and undone without God, although he went to the temple and he prayed prayers, but he bragged about all that he did. That was his religion. If you're not careful, your giving will become your religion. Don't let that, don't let that be the case. We need to be selfless in this thing. I have an uncle. Uh, he passed away several years ago, but my, my uncle, uh, he was a member of a Baptist church, member of the Masonic Lodge, and by the way, he put more... He put, put more stock and priority in the, the lodge than he did the church. But my dad would talk to him about the Lord. And he would say, Charles, are you saved? And here's what he always said. I'm a member of the lodge. He said, no, I'm, I'm, do you know the Lord? Are you saved? I send money every now and then to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. You know what that, his, his giving was his religion. And he never gave a clear testimony of salvation. Grace giving is selfless. Grace giving tonight is systematic. Look at verse number 6. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Now I'm not going to take time to run the references, but elsewhere in this book you'll find where a plan had been laid out. A purpose had been laid out. The purpose of what they were doing there is sending an offering to Jerusalem. They had decided we want to be a help and a blessing. The plan that they laid out was they spent a whole year planning for that offering. That they had a plan for dispensing the offering to others. They said we're going to take a whole year and gather this in and then here's what we're going to do with it. Now, not every church, again, everybody does it differently, but that's where we get our modern way of missions that most churches practice today, to save up for a year, store up for a year, say, here's what we're looking to get, here's what we're planning to get and praying for, and then we're going to dispense it to these different ministries and, and, and whatever it may be. It's systematic. Now, again, you don't have to do it that way. That just kind of helps you stay on target. When you do it that way, it helps these missionaries to know how to budget while they're going overseas. I've got some churches. And again, I'm I'm not a missionary. I am in the sense that, you know, I want to get the gospel to anybody I can. We're all missionaries in that respect. But I'm I'm not a full-time missionary going to another country. But we do have churches that support us. I've never, I've never asked for or pushed for support. I've also never turned it down. Amen. I've never said no. We don't do that, brother. Brother Gordon last year mentioned that, and I was like, man, praise God, brother. We appreciate it. And we do. We appreciate what you've done for us uh, this last year. I'm glad that we can be a part of your missions program. But I know I've got some churches. It's the it's different what they send. It's just different. It depends on their their budget and what comes into the general offerings, and so it's different. Now, that don't affect me much. Um, but it would sure be nice for these missionaries to kind of know how to plan 
what they're going to do. And, and, and these men that have been missionaries, they know that to be the truth. Now, I also know this. You missionaries, you're just glad to get it too. Amen. You're glad to receive it however they want to do it. Whether it's faith promise missions or just coming out of the, you know, the main budget, however you do it. Uh, but it does, I believe it helps to stay on track to be systematic. And I believe that's what's laid out in the Word of God. Now, if you do it a different way, that's fine. But I believe this is what Paul is writing about in 2 Corinthians. Grace given is systematic, but not only that, grace given, it's spiritual. You want to be spiritual? I'm not talking about spiritualism, Buddhism, and all that stuff. I'm talking about you want to be spiritual according to the Word of God? Get involved in grace giving. Amen. You say, preacher, I struggle in the area of separation. All right, well, maybe you could do better in this area of grace giving. You say, preacher, I'm struggling with sin and temptations and, and I'm having trouble. Well, there, there's grace to help you with that too. But maybe you're struggling in that. Well, how about get involved in this grace giving? At least you'll have that area down. <laughs> Paul gives praise to this Corinthian church. And by the way, he spent all of 1 Corinthians rebuking them for their carnality. But there was still hope. I said there was still hope. Now that ought to be encouraging to a lot of churches in America tonight, amen, because there's a lot of carnality in our churches tonight. But there's hope. Paul rebukes them, but then he comes uh, right behind that in, in 2 Corinthians, and, and he praises them. Look at verse number 7. Therefore as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Amen. The Corinthians, they had several things going for them. Even with all the carnality that they had, they had to deal with, I mean, he still says, man, you got faith. You've got utterance. I believe that's talking about being a good witness. You've got knowledge, knowledge of the Scripture. You, you've got a great labor for the Lord. He used the word diligence right there. And then he talks about your love to us. He says, you've got all these things going for you. And he praises them for that. But notice his plea. At the end of verse number 7, he said, See that ye abound in this grace also. Paul wants them to abound in the grace of giving. Because it's a high and a holy calling. To be a steward of God's grace. But by the way, you have to finish what you start. Amen. He did say there in verse number 6 that they desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. I mean, you got to finish what you start. And too often people start off real good. I mean, they, they get in the missions conference and they get on their knees praying and, and they want to do big and great things for God. They're, they like this idea of being sacrificial and seeing God blessed, but they get a little ways into it or halfway into the year and something changes. Maybe they get a pay cut at work or gas prices go up again. You name it, there's any number of things that could happen. A trip to the hospital without insurance, I mean, that can set you back. But you made a vow to God. You told God, Here's what, here, God, I am trusting you that you will help me to do this. Well, what changed? Just because the circumstances changed 
doesn't mean you just quit and say, well, I guess God can't help me with this. No, he might just be testing your faith. Yeah. Heard about a man many years ago. Him and his wife had been married for a little over 20 years and he decided he wanted to divorce his wife and they were filing for divorce and he began going through a lot of the old finances and the canceled checks that they had from over the years and just trying to get all that settled. And he started looking through them checks. And he saw one for their honeymoon and the hotel they stayed at, some of the restaurants they ate at. And he saw a check for the first car they bought after they got married. He saw a check for the house, their first home. And, and then the children coming along. He's just looking through them checks. And while he was, tears just started rolling down his cheek. The, the, the memories just started coming back. And that, that love, that love started coming back. And after a while, he got on the phone and called his wife. He said, hey... I want to put a stop to this divorce. He said, I love you and we've got too much invested in this marriage to call it quits. Amen. See, his love motivated him to finish what he started. Grace giving is a spiritual thing. And your love for God, your love for sinners, your love for the work of the Lord, it'll keep you going. It'll keep you going even when it does get tough. And I'm not saying there won't be times that it doesn't get tough financially. But if God laid something on your heart, stay with it. Stay at it. Don't quit. Grace giving is spiritual. Grace giving is sincere giving. Look at verse number 8. I speak not by commandment. Now there's what I was talking about a while ago. You know what Paul's saying? I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm compelling you to do this. And that's what we're doing tonight. I don't believe the preacher ought to get up and try to browbeat people and guilt trip people into giving. And there are those that do that. And that's why we tend to get a bad name when it comes to the area of taking offerings and, and things like that. Because so many, it's been abused. Nobody's commanding you tonight. What I'm doing and what Brother Gordon's doing, what these missionaries, what we're doing, we're just trying to say, hey, look, here's the need. It's a great need. And here's the blessings. Amen. There's great blessings. Yes. Amen. Paul says, Paul says in verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. He talks about sincerity right there. That grace giving is sincere giving. It's not for show. It's not so people can say, wow, did you hear about what they did? No, no, it's just about saying, hey, here's a need and I want to be a part of this work. I want to be a part of what this missionary is doing. I want to be a part of what this church is doing. I want to be a part of what a young man's wanting to do on a missions trip. I want to be a part of this, amen, so, so the work will get done and God will get glory. Amen. Not so everybody can say, wow, did you see that check they wrote? Now again, the missionary... They'll take it. They don't care whether you gave cheerfully, cheerfully or grudgingly, carefully. They're just glad to get it and put it to the work of God. Amen. Amen. Am I right, missionaries? Amen. Amen. But it sure affects the giver. Yes, it does. And your relationship with God. You don't believe that. I won't take time to turn there, but in Acts chapter 5, you read about Ananias and Sapphire there in the early church. Barnabas gave an offering in chapter 4, and they saw that. They thought, we'll give an offering. We're going to sell this land, and we're going to tell them we're giving it all. But they didn't. Now, Brother Gordon, I don't read anywhere where it said they had to give it all. But they said they were going to. But then they held back. 
but they said we're giving it all. And you know what happened? God killed them right there on the spot. They gave a false impression. They were deceitful. By the way, don't play games with God. Now, I'm not saying that if you do something like that today that he's just going to kill you. I mean, you'll drop dead right there. But then again, you might. I don't know. I wouldn't want a chance if I believe there's a lot of people they're playing games with God. It's serious business. You don't play games with God. But this is about sincerity. Don't give out of necessity. Don't give out of obligation. Amen. Give out of sincerity. Go go to chapter 9. Look at chapter number 9 and verse number 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That's talking about a sincere giver. I remember, I think I was 18 years old, and uh, I was a member of Brother Ken Graham's church. You mentioned he preached here earlier this year. Brother Graham was my pastor for several years in my teen years, and I went to his Bible college, and, and I remember... The first summer we were members of that church, Brother Graham loaded us up and took us to Faith Baptist Camp in Resaca, Georgia. I'd never been to a camp meeting. We went to Brother Sammy Allen's camp meeting. Now, if you know anything about Brother Sammy Allen, he was known for taking offerings. And at Faith Baptist Camp, they would, they would take offerings for hours. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I mean, I've sat there two and three hours while they took offers. They were known for that. Well, this was my first time there, and I figured out after a couple nights, this preacher's going to get all my money if I'm not careful. I thought, this guy's goal is to make sure I leave with nothing left in my wallet. And now all these many years later, Brother Sammy Allen's in heaven. I learned after several years, that really was his goal. Amen. He didn't want you to have anything when you left. Now, that money wasn't going to him. But I, remember, I remember after a couple of... My, I, I didn't have a, a, a right heart with God or anything like that at that time in my life. I was just kind of playing games. And uh, I remember after a couple of days, I thought, I'm, I'm tired of... I'm tired of feeling like i got to give something out of my wallet. So I thought, I'm gonna, we were staying in the dorms. I said, I'm going to leave my wallet on the bed today. Well, that was dumb anyway. I mean, anybody could come by and steal your wallet. And somebody did. Brother Ken Graham. We got in that service, and Brother Graham, we had, a, we had a quartet in our Bible college, and our quartet was up singing in that morning service, and Brother Sammy decided in the middle of that singing, he was going to take up one of his offerings. And he said, boys, y'all just keep singing. We're going to take an offering. Y'all just bring the money down here to the front, you know, and we'll take it up that way. These boys are going to keep singing. You know what I thought sitting there at the piano? <laughs> My wallet ain't on me. I'm, I'm off the hook. About that time, I saw my pastor, Brother Graham, come walking up, and he walked right up to me. He said, hey, I was walking by your bed, and I saw your wallet. I, I didn't want anybody to steal that. And I, I reached down, and I took it, and I think while I was looking at him, he kind of went, <laughs> You know what I did? I gave him the offering. I didn't give sincerely, though. I didn't give with a right heart. I gave more out of obligation. You know what? I'm, I'm glad I got over that kind of giving. I, I don't want to give with a bad attitude. Amen. I want to give to be a blessing. Amen. Grace giving is sincere. But then lastly tonight, grace giving is satisfying. And if you've ever done any grace giving in your life, you know that to be the truth. 
There's nothing like it. Amen. I'm not against you having a nice home or a nice car or a boat, whatever it may be. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that stuff. But I'm going to tell you where true satisfaction is. It's in getting involved in the work of God. Amen. And seeing some missionaries be able to take the gospel to regions beyond and get the work done. There ain't nothing like it. We're in chapter 9. Look at verse number 8. Paul, Paul writes of the unfailing grace in verse 8. He said, and God is able, and he is. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. All grace. That ye always have an all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You know what that means? He's got unfailing grace for all types, all times, all things, and all tasks. Whatever it is, whether it's going to Scotland or the United Kingdom, or or, amen, to go help a a preacher or a missionary that needs to come home on furlough, or a young man just wanting to take a missions trip, whatever the case may be, amen, there is unfailing grace. The Bible said that He is the God of all grace. There's grace for you to be able to give what he would have you to give. Paul tells us not only of his unfailing grace, he writes of an unlimited God. Look there at verse number 9 of chapter 9. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. You say, what is that? He's talking about an unlimited God. He said in verse number 7, or verse number 8, God's able. And he is able. He's an unlimited God. You know what that means? If God puts something on your heart this week to do for the next 52 weeks, it don't matter how the economy change changes. It does not matter who's in the White House or who isn't. It doesn't matter who the governor of South Carolina is. It doesn't matter if your financial status changes. God is able. He's an unlimited God. His economy is just fine tonight. He writes of undying gratitude. Look at the end of verse number 11. Which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. You know why grace giving is satisfying? It just calls people on every end of this thing to give glory to God and just thanksgiving unto Him. Those that are giving, those that are receiving, those that are going, just getting involved however it is. Somebody goes to thanking God. And he likes to be thanked. Amen. He said in verse number 7 that God loveth a cheerful giver. Could, you, could I take just a moment before I'm done tonight to give you the fruit of cheerful giving? This kind of goes back to that sincere giving. Because sincere giving is what leads to satisfaction. The fruit of cheerful giving. Well, one, we, we prosper spiritually and financially. I mean, it's a Bible principle. Look at it, verse 6. We call this the law of harvest. Verse 6, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. 
Drop down to verse number 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. When we give out of a sincere heart, when we give cheerfully, we're going to prosper spiritually and financially. Now get this, that shouldn't be our motive. It shouldn't be about what I'm going to get from this. But it is a Bible principle, God's going to take care of you. You take care of the work of God and what He puts on your heart, He's going to take care of you. Not only that though, we provide for those in need. Look at verse 12. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. We get to help somebody in need. Amen. Ain't that a blessing? To be able to help somebody in need. And by the way, I do believe most of what we read about giving, most, most of what we read about in the Bible about giving is about giving to the work of the Lord. Now, if you want to help somebody that's holding a sign up and down the strand here, that's your business. I don't give out money. Because in the day and hour we live in, most of them aren't using it for food. Most of them are going to run down to the store and buy a pack of cigarettes or their next hit of dope or at the bar. Now, I have bought people food. I have said, you know what, I'll I'll take you over here. We'll get you a bite to eat. I I, I do want to try to be a help to people. Amen. But you're not helping them when you give them your money. I'll tell you something else I don't feel guilty about not giving money. And I'll, I'll lose some Baptists right here. Christmas time comes around, it don't bother me one bit to walk by that guy in the Santa Claus suit ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. It's going for a good call. You have no idea where that money's going. You have no idea. You'd be better off to save that money and put it to the work of missions through your local church. Am I okay there, preacher? Amen. It don't bother me one bit. Not one bit. Amen. Christmas times are coming. And Salvation Army ain't getting my money. I'd rather give it to the work of the gospel. Now there was a time when that was first founded that that was the goal. But they've drifted from that. Same with goodwill. Goodwill, doing the most good. You, you ought to go online and look up what the, the, the big shots in the goodwill industry is making. Oh yeah, they're doing the most good for themselves. Hey, you know what we get to do with grace giving when we give cheerfully? We get to provide for those that are in need. Not only that, Paul said we prove our love for God. Look at verse number 13. We're in chapter 9, verse 13. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. He said they glorify God. It's an opportunity to prove your love for God. Not only that, we promote prayer for us. Prayer that is on our behalf. Not only praying for the missionaries, but you get involved in this work, they're thoughtful to pray for you. Look at verse number 14. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. You get involved in that work of giving, grace giving, they turn around and pray for you. Hey, Friendship Baptist Church, listen to this. Every month when I 
when I get home and check the mail and, and I get a check and I pull that check out from Friendship Baptist Church, that reminds me to stop and pray for y'all Amen. and pray for your preacher and his family and this church. Amen. Amen. And that's what grace given does. I mean, it promotes prayer. Amen. Again, I mean, it's that, that ain't the motivation. It's not about what I'm going to get out of this. But there are rewards. But I think the greatest thing about grace giving and cheerful giving is it provokes thanksgiving to God. Could we we back up to verse 11 there and just run through these verses and see what it says? Verse number 11, the end of the verse said, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Verse number 12, verse number 12 said, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Verse 15, thanks be unto God. Amen. You know one thing, the good thing about cheerful giving? It causes people to give thanks to God. Amen. I mean, maybe you're having a bad day or even a bad year and you just feel like you don't have a lot to be thankful for, but then you get involved in the work of missions and you get them prayer letters back and you see what God's doing and how people are getting saved and lives are being changed. And Amen. People helped and churches planted. It calls you to say, thank you, God. Thank you that I get to be a part of that and what you're doing. Amen. Now here's how Paul finishes in verse 15 of chapter 9. He said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You say, what is that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul finishes this by saying that God practices the law of harvest himself. Hebrews 2 verse 10 tells us that it's God's desire to bring many sons to glory. That's his desire. But listen, we're sinners and we're unworthy of heaven. So you know what happened? God sowed his only begotten son into humanity. And Christ was the seed. He was buried as the seed in the ground. And then he sprung up. Christ was the unspeakable gift. And brother and sister, when we give, it would help if we would remember God's gift to us. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now I tell you who won't have a hard time giving even if it hurts. It's that person that stops and says, boy, God sure gave me a great gift. He gave me his son. He gave me, amen, the gift of his son to go to an old rugged cross and die and bleed and suffer like no man has ever suffered before. And because of his death and because of his resurrection, I have eternal life with God through Jesus Christ my Lord, amen. I tell you what, if you'll live your life with that attitude and that heart, it won't be a big deal to say, God, what do you want me to give? Not what can I give. Not what do I feel like giving. Not what does my bank account say I can give. God, what would you have me to give? Amen. Amen. That's grace giving. That's what makes a difference. Amen. It'll make a difference in your life, in your home, in your joy. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. Our sister will come get us a... Song ready for invitation.